Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is not a huge fan of all of this snow that's falling right now. Brandon Siegel, how you doing? No, I would I would not consider myself a huge fan of it. I, I like it nice, sunny, maybe like 85, 90 degrees. Oh. That's kind of the perfect weather. What? Now, I know a man who does like it a little bit colder, maybe not quite this cold, but definitely a little bit colder, is of course... Uh, everyone, some people call him their favorite contributor. I would not say that at all. He's be my least favorite contributor, and that's of course Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you doing? I think we need to address this for a second because 85, 90 degrees is way too hot. Like I, nah, I, I get 70, maybe even 75, but Brandon, you're telling me if it's 90 degrees outside, you're happy about that? Because that just sounds. I'm, I'm, I'm chilling. That sounds it's miserable beautiful. to me, man. I, I want a nice, like I want in the 60s. I think 70 is a little too warm for me. I prefer, I prefer some sweatshirt weather. So I want like 60 degrees. I think that's perfect for me. I'm with you, Ben. Right. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Trevor. I, I just think I think 85, 90 is crazy hot. Yeah. For it's it's definitely a little bit hot. Go ahead, yeah. Trevor. For me, I would say like if it's gonna be like 90, like over 90, like I have to be like swimming or something, or 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 even like playing basketball or doing something where I'm like either exercising or I'm swimming. If I'm just like sitting outside, like you know, like having a picnic or something or a cookout, and it's in the 90s. Like I'm miserable, so I, I also generally prefer like high 60s, low 70s. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the the really really hot weather. But let's let's get right into today's episode. First up, we had a big blockbuster trade that happened uh, kind of last night ish. It seemed like um, we had the Lions and Rams agreeing to give Matt Stafford to the Rams and Jared Goff to the Lions, and the Lions also get I believe two first round picks and a third, if I am reading this correctly, I believe. Um, so a lot of, lot of stuff going either way. Obviously, Goff's contract is pretty terrible. He's got a lot of guaranteed money and a lot against the cap. Well, Stafford is a much more team-friendly deal. Goes to a team that's able to win. Um, so, Ben, I'm going to start off with you. What do you think about this this trade? So I've been thinking a lot about this since it broke. Yeah, like you said, late last night, probably around like 10 or maybe like 10, I don't know, 10 p.m., something like that. Um, I, 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 first of all, I'm kind of surprised by it because I really – and I know there's been a lot of talks about it, but I really didn't think that the Rams would get rid of Jared Goff, at least not this quickly. Um, but apparently from, I mean, from the trade, it seems like they really wanted to get rid of him. And I really do think it's actually, I think it's a pretty decent trade for both teams. I mean, obviously if you look at from the lions, they get a 26 year old quarterback, not old at all. Um, who, I mean, he's nothing special, but he obviously is, he, he can play well enough when he has weapons around him to get his team to the super bowl. And they get two first round picks, 2022, 2023, and a third round pick. I really don't think it's a bad deal for the lions at all. And then if you look at the Rams, I mean, it's great for the Rams because as much as I don't like Matthew Stafford, and I think he, he gets paid a lot of money, and he really hasn't proven, I, I can acknowledge the fact that he's been in a terrible organization with really not a whole lot of weapons. So if you're the Rams, you just get this quarterback who's still, I didn't realize, he's only 32 years old. He's going to be 33 next week. So he'll be starting the season for the Rams as a 33-year-old. He's still got a couple good years in him. Um, I, I think if you're a Rams fan, you should be thrilled because if you, if you can surround Matthew Stafford with weapons, he's clearly good enough to win. I mean, he took some not good Lions teams to the playoffs multiple times. So I really do think it's a good trade for both teams. If I'm a fan of either team, I'm really not too upset about it um, because, like we've seen, there's plenty of deals that we've seen where where it's pretty one-sided, pretty, lo- uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Pretty lop- lopsided, I guess you could say. But in, th- in this case, I really do think it's it's pretty decent for both teams. I, I wouldn't be too upset if I was a, a fan of either, either team. Yeah, I... I was actually pretty happy about this trade for both teams. Yeah, they gave up a lot for Stafford, and it makes you question, you know, how much would they have to give up for Watson? 
uh, if it's two first-rounders, a third-rounder for Stafford. And obviously some of that plays in fact that Goff's contract is terrible um, and does not adequately you know, represent how good he is. He's a lot worse than his contract. Not saying Goff is terrible, but he's, he's worse than his contract. Um, the Rams are contenders right now, and the Rams have shown that they really don't care about those picks as much. They're one of the only teams in the NFL, I think, believe this. You know, they gave it the two first-rounders for Ramsey, and they're just trading for talent. You know, if it, if it gets them the Super Bowl, great, it's a working strategy. I don't believe it's going to be a working strategy to win them a Super Bowl, but I definitely think they're more competitive now uh, with Stafford rather than Goff. I know McVay does not like Goff at all, and I'm sure he's happy to see this trade. For the Lions, you got more picks to rebuild around. Um, if the Goff experiment doesn't work out, you can still draft a quarterback and, you know, play him. Obviously, you're going to be paying Goff, and that's not ideal at all, but you got more picks now, which is a really, really big deal, especially first-rounders. So, honestly, both teams win. I'd say the Rams won just a little bit more, but both of them, I think, have got something out of this trade for sure. Trevor, any any last thoughts on this trade deal before we move on? Yeah, I'll make it quick because I think I just agree with both of you uh, for the most part. Um, this trade obviously makes the Rams uh, even more competitive than they already were. We know how good their defense has been. So now with Matthew Stafford, who I would say is probably a top 15 quarterback, I think Brandon thinks a little bit higher of him than, than even I do. Um, and Goff is, you know, one of the bottom 10 probably quarterbacks. So definitely an upgrade there. I think it helps um with this this Rams team and that and that puts you in a position now where you can compete with some of these teams the the Packers uh the Bucks if they can you know have another good year next year uh the Seahawks some of these other teams they already beat the Seahawks um with Goff slash Wolford we saw so uh yeah I think Stafford makes them better it should be interesting um because they'll be contender and it just felt like they had to do it you know this is the Rams, as I often say, like when when you're in win now mode, I think you have to try to go for it all, even if that means giving up two first round picks and a third round pick, which those picks are all very important. Um, but I think in order for the Rams to win a Super Bowl, they need something to get them over the top, like a, a really solid quarterback. And Matthew Stafford might be the guy to, that could do that. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, and then for the Lions, it's good as well because with Matthew Stafford, you weren't going anywhere uh, with you know what they have surrounded him with. So those picks will definitely be helpful. And like Brandon said, if golf doesn't work out, you can just draft a quarterback. Yes, 100%. So let's move on to college basketball. And I'm just going to throw it on over to our college basketball expert, Trevor. Um, and, you know, you can take it away. Yeah, so we had an interesting week in college basketball. It seems like this year we've had just in general a lot of different upsets uh, in conference play. A lot of teams, especially like in the Big Ten, as, as Ben was mentioning, kind of Big Ten teams beating up on one another. A lot of depth in the Big Ten, a lot of good teams. So you see some of these upsets. Wisconsin, who is a ranked team, was uh, I think number 13 or 14. Uh, they got upset by, I believe, Penn State. You got uh, some of these other teams as well that are getting upset. I think Alabama was ranked uh, number nine, and I believe they just got beat by Oklahoma yesterday, I believe. Uh, I'm trying to look at the score. I believe it was 66 to 61. Yes, Oklahoma beat Alabama in a really solid uh, game. Alabama's been really good this year, which was kind of something I didn't see coming. Uh, they were ranked number nine before that loss. Um, you have like John Petty, who's had a pretty good year, uh, Shackelford, uh, some of their other young guys, really strong year for Alabama so far. But the game I, I guess I wanted to uh, mention or, or talk about is the Iowa-Illinois game, because this is the, the, the game that I really was kind of uh, focused in on on Friday night. I watched essentially the whole game, and it was a really fun game. You know, both of these teams 
are fun teams to watch. Obviously, Iowa, they have Luca Garza. We know, we, we've talked in the past about what he <laughs> what he is capable of, how good of a player he is. Um, obviously, he's averaging, you know, like 27 and 10 or something like that, I believe. And then they obviously have a lot of good shooters as well, some other good uh, experienced veterans that can shoot the ball well. And on the other side, Illinois has a, the a star of their own, and Io DeSumo, who had a very good game in this one, and they did get the win over Iowa, 80-75. to So, you know, both of these teams are, are really solid, and it's interesting, you know, you know, five years ago, if you told me, oh, in, in 2021, we'll be seeing, you know, two ranked teams uh, or Iowa and Illinois playing as two of the best teams in Big Ten, I would not uh, believe that because historically Iowa and Illinois have not been very good. They've usually been, you know, toward mm-hmm. the bottom of the Big Ten. So that's fun. Uh, West Virginia, they squeezed out a win over Texas Tech, um, two contending teams in the Big 12. You know, West Virginia, they've been They've been, they've still been really solid, right? Even losing Oscar Shibwe, who is a big part of our, uh, you know, hopeful run to the Final Four. This is what we're hoping for. Um, but it, it, there's been nothing that's been like over the top of like, yes, I'm really excited about how this team's been playing recently. They've been good, not great. They did just lose to Florida yesterday, and Florida's a good team. They're solid. They have a lot of talent. But if we really want to be contending with the Gonzagas, the Baylors, Michigan, Texas, some of these top teams, we need to win more consistently. We're now 11-5, and five, so I, I would like to see a little bit more. Um, and then I just last thing I want to point out, uh, some of these freshmen. Cade Cunningham, he hit a big shot uh, in Oklahoma State's win. They've been pretty good uh, this year. And then Sharif Cooper for Auburn, also a really solid guard. Both of these guys were five stars coming out of high school. And I think both are going to be uh, lottery, lottery picks. So... Uh, ben, I'll throw it to you if you have any, you know, some quick thoughts, maybe on like a Alabama, Oklahoma game or, or anything else you want to mention. Yes, I will say Alabama losing to Oklahoma, that actually, that, that surprised me a little bit because, I mean, Alabama was coming in on a 10-game win streak or whatever it was. Um, Nate Oates is clearly a good coach. We know that firsthand experience. And he seemed to have turned this Alabama program around fairly quickly um, in his first couple of years at Alabama. So that, that game surprised me a little bit. Um a big thing, and I, I, I saw this on a TV show or never this week, and I've been thinking a lot about this recently, and what I wanted to talk about was if the NCAA tournament, and I talked to, to Trevor about this before the podcast, but if the NCAA tournament started today and somebody asked me, you had to put a million dollars on either Gonzaga or Baylor to win the NCAA tournament or the field. If somebody asked me, I had to make that decision right now today. I think I'd, I'd put money on Gonzaga or Baylor to win over the field. And in an NCAA tournament, when it's so – unpredictable and it's all about matchups and you have to get lucky at some point obviously it's smart to always put the field but I really do think that at this stage in the season I think Gonzaga and Baylor and I've said this many many times on this podcast but they are so clearly um better than everyone else in the country and it it really just the more I watch them play and I watched a little bit of of Baylor yesterday and obviously I watched a little bit of Gonzaga yesterday the more I watch them play it's just so clear to me that I really don't see any team beating them and if this were let's say the NBA playoffs where somebody had to beat them four out of seven times, there's no way those teams would lose. There's no way those teams would lose to anybody except for themselves. Um, but even with something as unpredictable as the NCAA tournament, Gonzaga and Baylor are just so amazing. And I really do think if I had to put money on right now, I would say that one of those two teams are going to win the national championship. I get it. It's not even February yet. It's January 31st when we're recording this. But even – as early as it is, I, I do think that those two have to be the favorite, and that's no surprise. They've been the favorite for a while. But they really just – they cease to amaze me how good they are. And every game that I've watched of them, which, again, hasn't been a lot, but every game that I've watched of Gonzaga or Baylor, 
Um, they, they just they don't have off nights. And even if somebody on their team has an off night, they're so deep, and their defense is phenomenal. Obviously, they have Hall of Fame coaches leading their programs. But I'm just so impressed with Gonzaga and Baylor, and I really can't remember a time or a basketball season, I should say, when you have more than one team that's so much clearly better than everyone else. Obviously, you have, like, the 2015 um, Kentucky team that was so clearly uh, better than everyone else. They almost went undefeated. But I can't remember a time when you have more than one team. You have two or three or maybe even four teams that are so much better than everyone else um, to this extent. So, it really, I mean, I'm just so impressed with the way they are. But I will say, looking at some of these different uh, rankings and statistics and analytics, if I had to pick one team, and I'll make this quick because I know I'm going on for a long time. If I had to pick one team that I think could upset either Gonzaga or Baylor in an NCAA tournament, I actually think I'd put my money on on Houston. I think Houston's a phenomenal basketball program. They're 14-1. and one. They're in the American, which isn't a great uh, conference, but it, it has some difficulties within that. I mean, they're clearly the best team in the American conference. I think Kelvin Sampson's done an amazing job at Houston, not just this year, but over the last four or five years. Um, so I will say I'm, I'm going to say right now, obviously, again, it's early. It's January 31st, but I think Houston will make – a very big splash in this NCAA tournament. And I wouldn't be surprised uh, if I look back um, in early April or late March and you see them uh, in the uh, in the Final Four because I really do think they're a phenomenal program. I, I think um, they really did, they, they deserve it or they need to have more attention because I really do think they're playing phenomenally. But, again, they're being overshadowed by these Gonzaga and these Baylor teams that are just phenomenal. Yeah, 100%. So let's, let's kind of exit small talk for today, move over to small talk trivia. Um, Trevor, what is the current score of Small Talk Trivia? 40 to 34. You maintain the lead. 40 to 34. So it's a healthy lead for sure. Um, so Trevor, why don't you start us off today? What, what is your question for me? All right. So we got the Super Bowl coming up next Sunday. So I wanted to ask a Super Bowl related trivia question. And my question is, who is the team to score the most points in a single Super Bowl game? Hmm. Team to score the most points in a Super Bowl game. Yes. Oh, that's a I, all the memory ones. I always have a tough time with. I always have a tough time with the memory ones. Um, I mean, this is gonna be a complete guess. I have, I have no clue. I, I can give you even the number. It might not help, but uh, the team scored fifty-five points. Team scored fifty-five points. Jesus, in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh god. I I have no clue. Um I will go with the Green Bay Packers. Final answer. Green Bay Packers is it's a guess. Your final answer? Yeah, sure. Okay. That is not correct. It is not the Green Bay Packers. Oof. The correct answer is the San Francisco 49ers. They scored 55 points in a Super Bowl win over the Denver Broncos in 1989. So one of those great Joe Montana teams that uh, completely mm. destroyed uh, that Broncos team. Mm. All right, very good question. You learn something new every day. So, uh, of course, as always, my question was given by uh, my least favorite contributor, Ben O'Brien. Um, you know, Ben, it's kind of a double-edged sword, that compliment, though, because you're also my favorite contributor because you're the only contributor. Again, I, you I, I mean? I'm totally cool with being in the top five contributors. So the fact that, that some <laughs> people might call me number one, I, I'm humbled by that. I'm, I'm honored. You you definitely make the top five. You definitely make the top That's five. That's all I've ever wanted. All right. <laughs> so, Trevor, here's my question for you. In the 2010s, this past decade we just finished, who had the most passing touchdowns? What NFL player had the most passing touchdowns in the last decade? 
Okay. In the 2010s, which quarterback had the most passing touchdowns? All right. Yes. So I could I could narrow it down pretty quickly um, in terms of who it would be. So 2010s NFL quarterback who had the most passing touchdowns. So just you know straight up 10 year period. Uh, so the candidates are Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Those are the main two, and then you could even consider Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm trying to think of who else you could even consider. Um, I, I guess you could consider like, nah, I think it's really those three. I'm trying to think if there could be anyone else. Um, Andrew Luck, but he, but he, uh, he, he didn't, I mean, I guess that was, yeah, no, no, he didn't, he came in the league in 2012, I believe. So no, I don't think it's him. So it's really three guys here that I have in contention. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger would have, no, there's no way he would have thrown that many. Um, obviously Peyton Manning retired, you know, where it's not even going to be close for him. Um, so yeah, it's really three guys. And I actually think I'm pretty confident, um, about knowing this answer. I'm pretty sure it's Drew Brees. Now, um, because the thing is Brady comes in the league about three or four years before Brees. Um, so he has like a, a head start as far as touchdowns. And then Breeze comes in like 0405, and he really turns it on, you know, kind of in like that 0809 year when they won the Super Bowl. He had a really good season, and then throughout, you know, from 0809 all the way up until around uh, the last year or two, 2019 or so, he had had a lot of insane seasons where he threw a lot of touchdowns. So I think the answer is Drew Breeze, and uh, that's my final answer. 100% final answer. Um, yes. Final answer. And you would be correct. Drew Brees had 345 touchdowns in the 2010s, so you get one point and you dig into my lead a little bit. Nice. Uh, so 40 to 35 now, I think? Yes. Uh, it's been a lot of episodes of doing this. A lot, of, a lot of points have been passed around. Um, but let's move on over to randomly ranked. This is the segment we take a completely random topic and rank it. Uh, today, I actually came up with this topic. That might be a first for the podcast. I don't really think I've ever come up with a topic uh, for this segment. Today is going to be best fast food fries. So I'm going to start. I think to me there is a clear one and two. After that, it can get a little fuzzy, you know, what you want to put in there. My honorable mention, I want to do Arby's curly fries. I like Arby's fries. I didn't want to put them in my top three because I, I like thin-cut fries the best. I think they're the best. I like crispy fries. And Arby's fries I would not consider crispy. They're still really, really good. Um, but, you know, I feel like you need a dipping sauce of them. Yeah, I don't know. The next three, I do not need dipping sauce. I'd rather have dipping sauce, but I don't need it. Number three, I'm going to go with Steak and Shake fries. Steak and Shake has some great, great, great fries. And they have very good barbecue sauce also, although I'm not rating it on the sauces by the places. Their fries are super, super solid, nice and crispy. You don't really get any, you know, two potato-y fries. It's just fried goodness. Number two, you got to go with Chick-fil-A's waffle fries. Now, I know I said I like thin fries, but, I mean, come on. It's Chick-fil-A's fries. Chick-fil-A just does everything so well. Their chicken's amazing, and their fries are just fabulous. Um, Normally, get a nice, crisp touch to them, and I really, really enjoy them. Number one, by a mile. It is genuinely not even close, and I would be shocked if either of you have anything different, is McDonald's fries. McDonald's has always had the best fries. The golden brown, they're beautiful, perfectly salted, wonderfully crispy. They definitely lack a little bit in the sauce department, in my opinion, although they do have the best ketchup. Um, But they lack a little bit in the sauce department, but still, number one in fries, it's honestly not even close. McDonald's takes the, uh, the, 
the fry. I was going to say takes the cake, but they take the fry championship. <laughs> um, Trevor, I'd like you to go next. What are your top three favorite fries? Okay, so I, I don't think you're going to be <laughs> – you might you might still be a little shocked, be a little shocked, but I already know that you're going to be upset with my top three um, because I don't have McDonald's in my top three, so we'll just get that out of the way. That's, oh. There's no way. What? There's no way. There's no there way. way. You don't have it in your top three? There is a way. That's just disrespectful, man. <laughs> so There's no way. What do you have over McDonald's? Let's hear it. Let's hear okay. it. Okay. So, McDonald's, they have great fries. Don't get me wrong. They're great fries. They're great without sauce. And and I want to make that clear. Like, when we do the rankings, um, and I think maybe we're all looking at it like this. I'm certainly looking at it like this. I'm not taking into consideration the sauces that they have. It's all about the standalone, the fries. How do they taste without sauce? What are the best? So, with that being said, number three, I'm going to start off with Steak and Shake. Like you, Brandon, Steak and Shake fries are awesome. I love that they're like they're thinner, skinnier, and, and they're just so good. And they, they're, they're really good without sauce, although I, I do usually have ketchup with them. Um, and, and I think the ketchup makes them better. Um, but Steak and Shake fries, they're very good even without ketchup. Number two, I went with Five Guys Cajun fries. Now, these ones... I, I literally do not use sauce because they're so good. I don't need sauce because I, I love Cajun. I love a lot of different spicy food. So it makes sense that, you know, I would love Five Guys Cajun fries. They're a little spicy. They taste very good. So I, I had to go with uh, Five Guys Cajun fries. Five Guys is a little, a little expensive, so I don't get it very often, but their fries are awesome. Uh, and number one, I have to go with the singular uh, best fry. And, and I think it's not a clear number one, but... I think there's a little bit of separation, and that's Arby's Curly Fries. Arby's Curly Fries, I don't think they need sauce at all. They're very good with that cheese sauce. It's 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 very good. The cheese sauce is great, but the Curly Fries, there's just so much flavor. Um, obviously, you know, I love Curly fries, fries in general, so Arby's had to be my number one. Just so much flavor involved, um, whereas I think Steak and Shake and, like, McDonald's a little more basic. They taste great. Don't get me wrong. They taste great, but it's just a little bit more of like a basic kind of fry. Arby's has more flavor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a criminal list. I want everyone to listen to this podcast here. No one take that that fry recommendation. If Trevor offers you any food recommendations, you should never take it. Ben, I expect to hear the correct number one here. What's your top three? Okay, so I'll start with an honorable mention, Burger King. I think Burger King's terrible. Their food's awful, but I like their fries. They're not bad. So I, I, I thought I'd throw it in there. I knew you guys wouldn't throw Burger King in there. So their fries, not not bad. The rest of your food's uh, garbage. My number three, I went with Steak and Shake. And I was trashing it before we started recording, um, but I do like their fries. I, I They're a little small for me. I don't like how small they are, but they are really good fries, and you guys made great points. If we're looking at just based on quality without any anything extra, without any sauce yeah. or anything, I, I do think Steak and Shake has some really quality fries. My number two, I went with Arby's, and the reason I went with Arby's is because I really do think they are—they might have the most recognizable fries, right? Like if you—if you mention Arby's fries, everyone knows what they are. Everyone knows has an image in their head. Everyone's had Arby's fries; they are extremely recognizable. And Brandon, I—I I was gonna do Chick Fil A at my number two. I was going to before we started recording, but I made a last-second change, and the reason I did that, and I think it's a decent point, is because I love waffle fries regardless of where they're from. So the fact that Chick-fil-A has waffle fries, obviously that's good, but I don't care if, if I got waffle fries from a gas station. I still think they'd be really good. So I felt like it wasn't fair to put Chick-fil-A on my list just based on the fact that they're waffle fries because, again, they're good, but I don't care where they're from. Waffle fries are, are, are the best types of, or best shapes of fries in my opinion. So I felt like I wasn't going to put Chick-fil-A on my list for, for that reason. 
Um, my number one is, is McDonald's. It's not even close. The fact that Trevor didn't have it on there, I'm, 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 I'm offended. I'm personally offended. I know Brandon's probably personally offended. Anybody listening to this is probably also personally offended. That, yeah, we're sorry that, you had to hear that. I mean, it, it should I'm be. It should have been number one on his list, and the fact that he didn't have it at all is, is just astonishing to me. And I will say this. I'll make it quick. My one argument for McDonald's and the reason why I, I feel like they deserve to be number one is because I've never been to another fast food restaurant in my life where I've only ordered a large fry or a medium fry. Nowhere else have I ever gone. I've never gone to Steak and Shake, never gone to Arby's, never gone to a Wendy's and only gotten an order of fries. And I've done that at McDonald's numerous times, countless times. Um, McDonald's really is probably the only fries, in my opinion, that I think are worth going to that restaurant just to get their fries. And McDonald's fries are amazing. Um, they really are. They're just so special. And I think more people than not would, would agree with Brandon and I here and put McDonald's probably at number one on, on their list if they were to make one. Yeah, again, I just want to point out we're all severely sorry on behalf of the small bars that Trevor didn't put McDonald's in his top three uh, fries. I think that deserves a public apology. I just want no, that to be out there. I'll be historically but correct. Let's, no, 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 no. Let's move on here. I am actually going to toss it back over to Trevor because we got a little bit of college basketball, more college basketball to talk about. We had the SEC, or excuse me, uh, the uh, NBA, my fault. Uh, want to hear some of Trevor's thoughts on some NBA um, games that have happened, some teams that you're liking. Um, and uh, anything else you want to comment on the NBA? Yeah, so first, um, I'm just going to go to uh, a game from yesterday. The Lakers played the Celtics, and this is a this is one of the possible finals matchups that we could possibly see because I think most people would agree that the Lakers are probably going to go back to the finals. It, it definitely seems like they are the heavy, heavy favorite, and I think they should be. They've been very good. They have a, a talented roster and a, a roster that's improved upon uh, the championship team from last year. So, you know, it, it seems like a pretty fair bet that the Lakers are going to make it. The Celtics, you know, like we've said in the past, East is a little more wide open. There's a number of teams who can make it. I think the Celtics are still one of them, um, even though, you know, they still have like a lack of, like they don't have like a true like five man that you feel like is like a really reliable five man. They have Daniel Tice. He's not bad. He's a solid option, but they don't have anyone who's like, who, who you can really trust out in crunch time uh, to play, you know, 35, 30 to 35 minutes in a playoff game and be really solid. So that's one of their main flaws. Um, but they do have Jason Tatum, rising star, who, you know, is going to be an MVP contender, I think, for years to come. He, it's, you know, the next year or two, I, I could totally see him being in the top three or top five in the MVP race. And then you have Jalen Brown, another rising young star who – Honestly, he's making a case for most improved player. You know, this year he's been he's been averaging around 25 points. He's really good two-way player. Uh, you know, Kemba, with Kemba Walker, you really are counting on him to be healthy. He's had some injury problems, but if he is fully healthy, you know, he he could be really good. So they have some good options there. And in this particular game yesterday, uh, there was a weird there was a weird ending to it. Uh, the Lakers won this one, 96-95. There was like a weird sequence where like both teams turned the ball over like two times each. It seemed like it was very strange, but in the end, the Lakers did hold on in this one. Anthony Davis at 27 and 14, um, and Anthony Davis, it's it's it feels like he's um, a little bit on like a cruise control. Like he's not, um, you know, he's sitting, he's resting some games. Um, obviously, with some of the depth they got now with Harrell, he doesn't have to go like 100% every single game, it seems like. But when he does, 
he's obviously a, a top five player in the NBA and fantastic. And last night uh, was one of those great games for Anthony Davis, 27-14, and 14, like I said. Um, you know, wasn't one of the best LeBron games, but the Lakers still managed to get a win there. And they're, they're just going to continue, I think, rolling a lot of the competitions are 15 and six, and it doesn't completely feel like they're trying, um, which is pretty insane. Uh, the Celtics on the other side, they're now 10 and eight. They've been a little up and down this year. Um, and we'll, we'll see where they go from here. Obviously you need Kemba fully healthy, but Tatum and Brown have been very solid. Uh, another thing to point out here is the Philadelphia 76ers. They are sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference right now, and it seems like some of the roster moves they made in this offseason really paid off. Getting Seth Curry, getting Danny Green, two solid shooters, especially Seth Curry, who um, obviously, you know, his brother, the best shooter of all time, he's not quite that, but he's, you know, he's not super far off, like as far as just straight up, you know, shooting. He's a really good shooter as well, really good player, um, and a great addition. He was exactly what the 76ers needed after. Um, they lost J.J. Redick a couple years ago. Last year, we saw them have a down year because they didn't have good shooting. This year now, they get another. They get a couple good shooters. Now, we see them playing very well, 14-6. Um, and also, Embiid is probably the frontrunner for MVP right now. Um, he's averaging, I believe, about 27-11. and 11. He's just completely dominating. And, um, you know, all of the Embiid critics that have been, you know, out there the past you know, a couple years, he's he's really trying to prove him wrong, and so far he has. So I look forward to seeing what the 76ers uh, keep, continue to do throughout the year. I think we're gonna get a we're gonna have a really interesting situation in the Eastern Conference with some of these contenders. You got the Sixers, the Nets, who the Nets have now been on a little bit of a winning streak. Uh, they're 13 and eight. They're starting to put the pieces together. Um, they they had a really good win uh, without Kevin Durant, where Kyrie played very well, uh, and I believe James Harden had a triple double. So it, so offensively, like we've kind of talked about, all the pieces are, are starting to come together. It's just kind of now, can they get the defense together, and how are they going to be able to, um, I, I guess, contrast with some of these other uh, with some of the tough matchups like the Lakers, who have Anthony Davis, like the Sixers, who have Joel Embiid. How are they going to be able to match up with teams like that? Seems like they're still going to need to add another key piece in the front court to to really contend with those teams. But outside of that, they're looking pretty good. Um, and then one more thing I'll mention, the Utah Jazz also have been fantastic. Donovan Mitchell has had a really good stretch recently, but they've also won a few games without him. They just beat the Mavericks uh, last night, who the Mavericks have been falling a little bit. They haven't been quite as good. But the Utah Jazz have been really good this year. Mike Conley's been back and healthy, and he's been playing really well, so that's good to see. Uh, ben, did you did you have anything you wanted to mention maybe about the Lakers or anything else? That, is there anything that surprised you, any team that's doing a lot worse than you thought or any team that's doing a lot better than you thought? Well, I will say this, and we, we've talked a lot about the Nets here, but the Nets, the Nets have, have kicked into gear a little bit. They're playing a lot better recently, and again, there's still a lot of basketball left to play. Um, and I said they, they were in their honeymoon, then they, they hit a rough spot where they lost to the Cavs a couple times, but they are playing a lot better recently. They're looking like this is the Nets team that we're going to see for the remainder of the season, which is exciting because, again, they're a fun team to hate. Um, honestly, I'm rooting for them to make, to make the finals just because I think it'd be great for the sport of basketball. It's a lot of star power. Um, regardless of who they would play from the West, it'd be awesome if the Nets were in the, uh, in the finals. I will say um, a couple, couple points I'll make real quick. 
Trevor, you mentioned how the, the Lakers, it seems like at times, are not really trying a whole lot. I mean, it's the NBA regular season. It's going to happen, especially when you had an insanely short offseason. Um, the important thing with the Lakers is when it matters, they're going to win. I mean, they know how, we saw this last year. They know how to turn it on when it really matters. Um, when, when they really need to win, they're going to win. And again, good teams, they know how to do that. Because again, the NBA regular season, we've seen for years, and Brandon's made plenty of points about how the NBA regular season doesn't really matter a whole lot. I mean, I mean, again, you're just fighting for seeding at, at the whole season. So the, the good teams are going to make the playoffs. And again, when you have 16 of 30 teams making the playoffs, it's really not that hard to make the playoffs if you're a decent team. So Lakers, they'll be fine. They lost a couple bad games, but they'll be fine. I'm not worried about them. Last point I want to make, and you talked about Trevor, how the 76ers are in first place in the East. And honestly, like, I'm not a 76ers fan at all, but but I'm really happy for him because Doc Rivers in his first season as the 76ers head coach, I mean, that dude's a winner. He's won everywhere he's gone. Philadelphia is no different. I, I'm really happy for them. I think it's cool. It, it's a team that has been has been good. They've been in the mix the last couple of years, but it is nice to see them hopefully take the next step this year and maybe um, even make a conference finals this year. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the 76ers um, do this year. I, I do think with, with football season winding down, I do think the NBA will pick up, and, and it will be a, a, a very entertaining finish to this regular season and hopefully the postseason as well. Yes, hundred percent. I completely agree. It's it's already been a good first half. You know, I guess we we're kind of close to halfway. How many games are they playing total? Sixty five or something? Uh, seventy two. So they're seventy two. You know, they're like so they're 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 probably right around a, a third of the way ish, uh, maybe a little bit under a third um, through the season. So they're getting there. And you know, Ben, you make a lot of great points about they just gotta make the playoffs, and you know, then we go from there. But let's go into our final topic for today, uh, which is going to be a little bit NFL, and then we're going to preview the Super Bowl. So we'll quickly go over the championship games that happened this past weekend. Um, let's start it off with the Chiefs and the Bills. Chiefs beating the Bills 38-24. to This game didn't feel that close. Um, obviously, Josh Allen not having his best game of his career, for sure. He looked very, very nervous throughout the whole game, and you know, uh, Mahomes is is something special, of course. Um, so, Ben, let's we'll start off with you. What were some of your thoughts on this game? So, I picked the Quick Bills thoughts. to win. I picked the Bills to win by like three, I think it was. I had faith. I, I was I was feeling the Bills mafia. I, I was feeling the momentum. And I should have known because I didn't even think the Bills were going to beat the Ravens. So, I probably should have known they they weren't going to beat the uh, the Chiefs. But the Chiefs, are the, I mean, the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. They're definitely the best team in the AFC. It's no surprise that they won. Honestly, I mean, it really, like you said, it didn't feel super close. The whole game. I mean, obviously the Bills got up nine nothing or whatever it was early, but really after that it was all Chiefs. Not a whole lot. I mean, nothing really super surprising here. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you know, the big storyline coming in was he was in all this concussion protocol. We knew he was going to play. That wasn't a, a big concern. And I mean, the Chiefs looked the part. They looked like um, the Chiefs that we've seen the last couple years now. Again, not a, not a huge surprise. Bills had an awesome season. I, I like I said last week, I love the Bills fans. They got some of the best fans in the NFL. They had an awesome season. The Bills will be back. I'm not worried about them. They'll be just fine. But yeah, the better team won that game. Um, I don't really have a whole lot else to say, Trevor. What do you what do you got on this on this AFC Championship game? Yeah, on, on this game, uh, first of all, Patrick Mahomes looked totally fine. Like I, I didn't notice yeah, any. I didn't notice any point where it seemed like. Oh, Mahomes, you know, there's a little bit of like an injury. Like he looked I like I don't know if he he was 100%, but it seemed like he was to me. Um and if he wasn't 100%, then that's pretty scary. Um because he was insane. Uh 29 to 38, 325 yards, three touchdowns, 
no interceptions. Uh, he was he was fantastic. And then obviously Tyreek Hill and Kelsey just putting up these video game numbers that we've become pretty accustomed to seeing. Tyreek Hill had 172 yards um, on only nine receptions. Kelsey had 118 yards on 13 receptions. So just some insane stuff. Obviously, you have uh, McCole Hardman as well, who, who broke up for one of those huge 50-yard runs. You know, he, he can do that occasionally too. So you we, we know what this team is. It's, it's the same thing over and over again. Um, and also, I think their defense has shown some flashes of being... And, and I, I almost think that maybe their defense doesn't get quite enough credit because I thought they looked pretty, pretty good in this game. Um, and that's something that... You know, going forward in the Super Bowl, we saw last week how, you know, Tom Brady was able to take advantage of some of the, the secondary of the Packers, which, you know, had some issues. There were some coaching issues there on defense and uh, some of the adjustments that the Packers made. It, it was it was like a really delayed reaction from the Packers where the adjustments didn't really happen until the second half. Um, I think it's going to be different um, in the Super Bowl. I, I expect the Chiefs defense to do a better job um, against Brady, against some of these receivers. And it's going to make for a really interesting matchup there. From the Bills' side, um, obviously, yes, like Josh Allen, he could have played better. The way he had played all season, this it felt like you know this was a little underwhelming. Um, I don't want to knock him too much because again, like it, this really felt like his first. I mean, the Ravens game was a big game, but this one was very monumental, and he was just a little underwhelming. Also. I, I think when you play the Chiefs, there's no way you can kick as many field goals as the Bills do. You can't win field goals. You have to score touchdowns. Yeah, so some of those like fourth down and short conversions, like where it's like fourth and three, they go kick the field goal. You have to go for some of those. But what about you, Brandon? Any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, I don't need to you know say much more than you guys said, but the Chiefs are just an impressive football team, and they're going to be good for a really, really, really long time. And I think the Bills are really good too. Josh Allen will feel better, you know, in the NFL in his own skin, you know, as they move forward. Um, you know, this is just his first, you know, enormous game. Like you said, the Ravens game didn't have the same feel as this game, uh, you know, I feel like. So I, I think this really was his first, you know, enormous, enormous game. And I, you know, he didn't play his best, but we've seen a lot of players like that. I think he'll recap and come back. But let's let's go to the other game. We got the Bucks and Packers. Bucks won 31-26. To me, I have really only one point to make. I, I feel like Rodgers at the end just didn't utilize opportunities. Not that the Buccaneers didn't play well, and to me, they were clearly the better team. But the Packers could have won that game at the end. I, there was multiple drives in that fourth quarter that they just got stopped short and didn't move past whether that, that was bad play from the Packers offense or good play from the Buccaneers defense or a combination of the both, which I believe it was. I think the Packers could have done more to put them in a better position to win that game, especially at the end. But, uh, Ben, let's let's start off with you here. Um, Buccaneers-Packers, final thoughts on this before we move to a Super Bowl. Yeah, so I, th- I think the big takeaway from this game is going to be that Green Bay's missed opportunities. They had so many missed opportunities yep. to win this game. Obviously, the one that's been talked about a billion times is Aaron Rodgers, and maybe he could have run, run that, that in for a touchdown. I, I, I think his running ability is, is amazing. I think he probably could have ran, uh, ran that in for a touchdown. But, I mean, that, that wasn't the only one. I mean, Tom Brady had three terrible interceptions this game, just awful interceptions that were essentially punts. And I think the Packers, they scored on a touchdown on one, and they, they went three and out on the other two for, like, negative five yards. So, I mean, Packers just had so many missed opportunities. The Buccaneers gave away or gave them all these chances to win. And, obviously, I mean, the Packers were down big. They came back. And I really did think the Packers were probably going to end up winning this. Um, but, I mean, the, the the better defense prevailed. The, the Buccaneers had all these injuries um, on defense, and they stepped up when it mattered. I mean, I, I didn't think the Bucks would win. I've, I've been counting out Tom Brady for weeks now, 
and he continues to prove me wrong, so I really shouldn't be too surprised. Um, but, I mean, credit to the Buccaneers. They went into a really tough place to win, even with only 9,000 fans or whatever it was. They beat a, a, an awesome team in Green Bay Packers with an amazing quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. So, really, I mean, credit to the Buccaneers. They deserve to be there. Um, they really have been a good team all year. Of course. Trevor, any last thoughts? Yeah, so this game, it, it really stressed me out <laughs> big time. Like like all games when I'm watching uh, Tom Brady do, I guess. Um, because it was a tale, for, first of all, for Tom Brady, it was a tale of two halves. The first half, he was fantastic. He was incredible. Um, and he really didn't have any true mistakes in the first half. There was like one throw. He tried to throw to Scotty Miller on a screen pass, I think late in the second quarter, that was a little high, um, which even if he would have caught that, it was only like a three-yard gain. So it really didn't uh, mean a ton. And they, obviously, we did see then later, he threw the the pass to Scotty Miller over the top of the defender. Um, you know, just bad coverage by the Packers. I, I don't know what they were thinking, um, but nevertheless, great play by Brady there, great catch by Scotty Miller, and it came off of um, a huge interception that, you know, really should have been a holding call. Like, I'll admit it. Like, Murphy Bunning did hold him. It should have been uh, called there, but nevertheless, he gets interception, and then, you know, the Bucks take advantage of that, which the, the Packers never should have let happen. I think that was ridiculous that they let – uh, you know, Brady and the Bucks scored the touchdown. So, you know, that's one of the coaching errors we saw throughout this game from the Packers. Um, now, there was also, uh, then in the second half, we saw after, like, Brady's playing very well first half, we saw a couple drops, opportunities where they could have went up. I believe it would have been 17 to, I think it was 17-7, and then the, the Bucks have to punt. Then we see the Rodgers interception, which then, the Bucks get that touchdown anyway. So I think 21-10 was kind of like the score that reflected the first half. The Bucks just on both sides of the ball were playing very well, defense, offense. You know, it seemed like they were they were just doing uh, as well as they could have. They were playing to their true potential, which I didn't feel like I saw in the Washington game especially, and not really in the Saints game either. So I was really happy with the first half. Um, and then we got the second half. They're up 28-10, and now I'm starting to get a little comfortable and as I'm comfortable, I'm like, oh, no, this is Aaron Rodgers. We know what he can do. You know, don't don't get too comfortable here. And then Aaron Rodgers was playing well throughout the really the whole game. I thought Aaron Rodgers actually played a really good game. Um, I mean, looking at his numbers, he, he had a good statistical game. And also Brady did make some pretty key mistakes. Um, you had the one interception where there was – some sort of, it was just one of the weirdest plays I've ever seen where Fournette, he doesn't go and block the guy. He gets a free shot at Brady. And um, instead of taking the sack like he should have, he throws up just some kind of weird prayer that results in the interception. Uh, and then we see the Packers take advantage of a, of this a couple times. And then in the fourth quarter, we see the Packers, where it seems like the score's 28-23, I believe. And I'm, I'm really just like, oh no, here we go. That the Rodgers is going to drive right down, score a touchdown, and they didn't. They didn't. The Bucks stopped them, got a huge stop. They punted the ball back to the Bucks. Then they would get the field goal, go up eight. And at that point, like, at that point, I, I was just like, I was kind of upset with how the game was going because I was like, it, it kind of feels like we're like trying to give away the game in the second half. Um, yet they do get one big stop. And then Packers, obviously, we know what happened on the last drive. Yes, Rodgers says that one play where. I thought he should have ran. Even if he wasn't going to get it, I thought he could have got to the two or three yard line. And then they have another play on fourth and goal. But the biggest thing that I want to point out on this drive is the fact that we have heard after the game that Rodgers didn't even know 
that they were going to kick the field goal um, on that fourth and goal. Like, it seemed like there was a disconnect between Matt LaFleur and Rodgers where, to me, Aaron Rodgers should know before first and goal, before the first down, if they're going for it on fourth down or not. He should know already. So the fact that he didn't even know on third down that that they whether they were going to kick the field goal or not that's just horrible coaching that is atrocious mm-hmm. and then kicking the field goal is also just a just a horrid decision you have Aaron Rodgers there um you know we know what he's capable of you have to give him that fourth and goal it, it just made no sense to kick the field goal there you're giving Tom Brady the ball back 2 minutes it it was a stupid decision yeah i i agree with you i i think that i agree with everything you said um, they definitely missed some opportunities. They could have won this game. But let's move on to the final thing for today, a little Super Bowl prediction. Trevor, I know you're probably not going to give a score prediction, but what is your prediction for this game? Yeah, I got to ask you. Yeah, so just things I'm, I'm looking to see. First of all, the, the first down runs that I've talked about every single week since the playoffs have started, the first down runs for the, the Bucks. Um, and Fournette did have that one breakaway run where he had, uh, you know, the 20-yard touchdown run. That was incredible. Like, I had to, I, I have to give Fournette credit for that. that. That was an awesome run, broke some tackles. And that's what he's capable of, um, you know, now and again. But outside of that run, it, was, it would have been 11 carries for 35 yards. So he averaged essentially three yards per carry outside of that one run. Um, and I believe the stat I heard on a podcast I was listening to this morning uh, with Warren Sharp. Um, was that on these first down runs against the Packers, the Bucks averaged 2.2 yards per carry on these first down runs. And the only reason they were able to overcome that was because of how often they converted on third down with throws from Tom Brady. So in order for... So I, I don't want to do that uh, in this Chiefs game. We cannot risk getting the third down against uh, Chiefs defense, who I believe is very good on third down defense. So we cannot risk that. We need to throw more on third down. Otherwise, we're just going to straight up lose. You know, the, the Chiefs are already the favorite team. They're already, you know, the team that's only lost two games all year. Um, we, we have to take any little thing we can get that can help us reach our true potential, that can help us try to win this game. We need to throw the ball more on first down. I hope to see that um, so that it doesn't come to more uh, third downs. And then on defense, I think that, I'm actually, I was really happy with how the Bucks played against the Packers. I, I didn't fully expect us to play as well as we did, but I thought they played really well. I'm hoping that we can hold the Chiefs. I think the number to hold them under, if we can hold them under like, like 20, like 27, 28, like if we can hold them under that number, I'm confident that the Bucks can put up about 30 points to win the game. But it's going to be a really fun game. I mean, historically... All Tom Brady games and all, like all Tom Brady Super Bowls outside of the Rams one a couple years ago are always awesome games. So I expect this one to be awesome. You know, it's the it's the young uh, quarterback who's already had an MVP season. He's already been great. You know, going against uh, the greatest of all time. You know, like if people have said, you know, this is like if Jordan and LeBron would have played in certain years. And I and I think the comparison is you know at least you know something to mention because I I feel like this is such a rare opportunity and I'm very excited for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think this is going to be a good one for sure. Um, I, I'll i keep mine a little bit shorter than Trevor's. Mahomes, to me, is, is the best player in the NFL at the moment. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. It's going to be fun to watch these two. Uh, I, I'm not betting against Mahomes. I've learned my lesson on that. 
Uh, so I'm going to take the Chiefs by four points. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be. You know, Tom Brady's got all those weapons over there. Um, Scotty Miller's on one side of the ball. I mean, so I- I'm going to be happy either way. I'm excited for a good Super Bowl. Ben, wrap up the episode for us today uh, with your prediction. So I've been thinking a lot about this game. And obviously, I mean, at the time of this recording, we're still a week out from this game. So it's hard to predict a game or predict the score of a game a week out because there's still some things we need to figure out um, with injuries and stuff like that. But I'll do my best. I... I agree with you, Brendan. I, I, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think the Chiefs are clearly the better team. They're the best team in the NFL. They're the best team in the NFL last year. the best team in the NFL this year. They'll probably be the best team in the NFL next year. Um, I, mm-hmm. I do think the Chiefs are going to win. Now, what I've been struggling with is how much do I think the Chiefs are going to win by. And again, I hate to go against Tom Brady, but hey, I mean, I've gone against him for two weeks now, the past two games. I might as well go against him again. Hopefully I'm wrong. I tend to be wrong with these things, so knock on wood, maybe I'll be wrong again. Um, and I do understand that it's not smart to go against Tom Brady, but again, the Chiefs just on paper, it just it makes so much more sense to pick the Chiefs to win this game. Um, I asked you guys before we started recording what the spread for this game was. You guys said it's three, right around three. Um, I think that's criminally low. And I'm not a betting person, but I've told many people in the last week or so that if you're going to bet on this game, take the Chiefs to cover easily. I think the Chiefs will win by way more than three points. I don't even think it's going to be that close of a game. I think the Chiefs win by at least ten points. And again, I hope I'm wrong. Wow. I hope I'm wrong. But that's been my thought process. Honestly, I, I've, I've brought it down a little bit. I thought they were going to win by at least 15 points as of a couple days ago. And I've, I've brought it down to a little bit. But I do think the Chiefs are going to win this game by at least 10 points, maybe even 12 or 13 points. I just think the Chiefs have too many weapons. And again, like I said, the Bucks are a good team. They deserve to be there. But I really do think that the Chiefs just have way too much to handle for even a good Buccaneers defense. Mm-hmm. I really do think it's going to be hard to stop. I hate to say it, but I really do think the Chiefs are going to win by, by a good amount here in, in the Super Bowl. Very interesting, Ben. But I think we will end our episode there for today. Thank you all so much for listening um, and supporting the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, in the description of this episode, we have the link to our Twitter. It's at the Small Baller. Uh, go follow that so you know when all of our podcasts come out. Uh, we should have two more podcasts coming out this week, and of course, Small Baller next Sunday. Um, podcast in the week, Five Seconds of Fame podcast. We're uh, doing the Bachelor's fifth episode. That'll be up on Thursday. Um, and also on Thursday, we should have the 12th Row Podcast with Josh and Will. They're going to talk about this past week in soccer. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!